0: DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. It's the international break, so limited football played this weekend, but a win for Stevenage takes them up to fourth in the League One table.
1: In the second half, after a poor first half, they proved to themselves, not to me. They proved nothing to me, but they proved to themselves what they could, what they could possibly achieve, and it would be unprecedented if they did.
0: You'll hear exclusively from the Barrow manager Pete Wild. Five successive wins for the club as they sit in the League Two playoff places, and it's a happy camp up in Cumbria.
2: We want to shoot in the next three to five years make sure that the worst case scenario is that we are a top 10 league two club but the best case scenario is that we're having a real good challenge to try and get out of the division
0: and we'll also discuss which teams have impressed us in the championship so far
1: to Morsi who hits it oh what a goal Sam Morsi from inside the D it was a planned move Leif Davis rolls it back and Sam Morsi buries it in the top corner and Ipswich Town are level here
0: We'll discuss if Ipswich can keep up their incredible start to the season and much more with the former Portsmouth and Huddersfield town manager, Danny Cowley, who's alongside me for the next hour on EFL All Access here on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome to EFL All Access with you each and every Monday from 6 pm here on TalkSport2. It is also available as a podcast wherever you get your podcast from, and you can see us, of course, uh, on the TalkSport feed. Um, Danny Cowley, the former Portsmouth and Huddersfield boss, is with me, as I mentioned. Hello.
3: Good evening, Hugh. How are you?
0: I'm all right. We didn't get enough football this weekend. We love the EFL. We could have had more. Obviously, it's the international break. But what we did have did provide us with a number of talking points, managerial changes and much, much more. Um, so I'm looking forward to the show. But h- how are you doing?
3: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, like you, I, I, I certainly missed the, the championship in the majority of the League One Fixtures this weekend, but but that's the nature of the international break. And it, 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 I don't mind the international break when the international games are really exciting. But probably the England mortar game was wasn't that, and it, it left a lot to be desired. So um, yeah, certainly missed my football fix. Although it's great that that League Two, obviously. Mm. Um, was the focus and I think there was some some really good games in that division and uh yeah it's really nice when 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 that division which is a you know a, a fantastic league with so many good players and so many good coaches when that gets the um yeah, I suppose the the the, the profile that, that, that it deserves. But yeah, I I, I spent my Saturday morning um, watching watching Notts County v Bradford, and that was a mm. that was an interesting game, and I think a a really good representation of what is, in my opinion, the the best League Two that, that I can remember.
0: Yeah, sure. some fantastic football played in that match, and some great goals scored, which we'll come to in a, in, a, in a minute. I know you're saying League Two takes centre stage, and it does. Trust me on this show, but it's almost there were so few games in League One that we might as well just box that off before we move on. We'll be hearing from Pete Wilde, the Barrow boss at length a little bit later on as well, which is such an intriguing uh, conversation, I think, that, look, plenty in store when it comes to League Two. So let's just quickly uh, review this weekend's results in League One. Stevenage won, Lincoln City nil. Jamie Reid, uh, the hero once again, a poacher's finish. finished. Stevenage uh, taking the victory over Lincoln, lifting them up to fourth in League One. It has also, of course, ensured a losing start for the new Imps head coach, Michael Skubala. His side lacking a cutting edge. Um, and, and I think that was mainly the issue. Uh, before we come to the game, let's hear from the Stevenage boss, Steve Evans because he's, he was rumoured to have a potential return to his old club, Rotherham, currently managerless in the Championship. This is what he had to say when he was asked about a potential return.
1: Sometimes I just need to have a real check here of what we've got here. I have a fantastic chairman and board. We have people in this town that, that are loving every minute of this. And I've got a group of players that I did tell them, I did tell every one of them in the summer that despite the opportunities to go and manage in the SPL a couple of times, that as long as they were in the project, I was in the project. So sometimes you have to deliver against your worth. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it's not Rotherham, that it's not another big championship club that comes calling. Because I still have ambitions to manage at that level. Um, But we'll go home tonight. My My grandkids will be around. We'll be jumping a bit mad. And, um, and I go home proud of my players because today, in the second half, after a poor first half, they proved to themselves—not to me—they proved nothing to me, but they proved to themselves what they could, what they could possibly achieve, and it would be unprecedented if they did.
0: So, Steve Evans, there—a man of his word, a family man as well. That's very positive, Danny. Um, look, he's staying at the club for now, it seems. But it, look it's good to have a manager with ambition leading your football club of course and clearly he's shown some loyalty to to his his club and his players already um but just on the on those rumors with Rotherham the fact he's not going there if you like um how big is it for the club Stevenage to keep him
3: i think it's massive obviously the he, he's done brilliantly since he since he arrived he picked a Stevenage team up that were I think if we are all honest heading for, for the national league and he was able to firstly keep them in the division um he was then able to to recruit i think really intelligently for his game idea and and for that division um they had a fantastic season last year and and deservedly won promotion um I think probably being realistic, everyone would have hoped that they could establish themselves in, in League One this season and and, and stay in the division and, and try to build from there, but they've surpassed everybody's expectations. I think they're a really difficult team to play against, particularly at home. I think their their tight pitch really suits their their game idea. They 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 want to play forward quickly. They want to they want to want to press really aggressively um, and they've run over so many teams, particularly at home. And you know, you, you have to credit Steve Evans. You know, we we talk a lot now about the the game and you know everybody now, or so many coaches want the the the, the possession-based style and want to dominate the ball. Um and I think Steve Evans has just proved, like like probably Neil Walnock did at, at championship level, that um there's many different ways to win a football match and you know, the way that they're playing in that really aggressive, high energy style, a little bit like Barnes you did a couple of seasons ago when they they had that brilliant season in the championship. I think, um, yeah, they're, they're proving very, very difficult to play against. And I think a lot of clubs like Lincoln found on on Saturday with young players. They don't always know how to play against this style. It's quite unique to mm. them. Maybe we don't, we don't develop the players in that in that way through the through the academy system. Um, and he's proving to be incredibly effective. And, and, and credit to him, and, and credit to those Stevenage players because there's a lot of lot of boys there that maybe have been written off in the past that are that are, are playing with a real point to prove. And, you know, for, for, for me, I, I always love to see the underdog story.
0: Michael Skubala in at your former club, Lincoln City, the uh, former Leeds United under-21 boss now. He also led the first team for three games last season after Jesse Marsh was sacked. But it is his first managerial role in senior football. At the age of 41, he's had a number of coaching jobs over the last two decades and replaces Mark Kennedy, who left the club last month. Listen, Danny, your name... Was being cheered by the fans, uh, at least on social media, metaphorically, because they did want to see you uh, return to that position. Many of them. Um, but what do you make of the decision to appoint Skubala in his first managerial role? Do you see that as a bit of a risk for the Imps?
3: No, I think I think Lincoln have a have a clear um, way that they want to work. Um, I think that they've got a clear structure. Obviously, Mark Kennedy, I thought, did a did a good job. Um, certainly, in terms of results, um, the suggestion was that 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 maybe he was he was relieved of his duties because um, they didn't think that he was able to develop players and develop their assets, which I think is a big part of their methodology and how and how the club see see um, them achieving their vision and and future success. Um, so yeah my, michael is a, is a, is an interesting uh, appointment i think um has a really good reputation as a, as a coach um it's been really interesting to see his journey it's been quite a quite unique journey through mm-hmm. teaching a little bit like myself and nikki then at university level then through the academy um, he would have obviously built up a wealth of experience um, coaching throughout those levels. You get so much time on the grass when you're when you're coaching at those levels to to be able to to develop your your skill set. So um, yeah, really interesting appointment. Obviously, Lincoln is a is a fantastic club with with a brilliant support base. Um, trying to do trying to work in a, in a certain way. Um, I think it's tough for them at the moment, and, and it, this is where I, I have some compassion for, for Mark Kennedy. You know, he, he had he, he lost his number nines very early on on in the season in Ben House and, and Tyler Walker. Um and that's not easy for any coach. And and still they were able to get to get results, and the fact that that Michael Skrivala picks, picks the Lincoln team up in ninth in the division, I think is credit to everybody at the club because to, to have achieved that in the early part of the season without your number nines is 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 testament to, to everybody, you know, Tom Shaw who picked up the reins off the back of Mark Kennedy, um, and everybody associated with the club really. And yeah, I look at that squad and I think that, you know, I I look at the division, I just think it's such an open league. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the I don't see the quality of teams in League One that maybe there has been in the previous two seasons. And I really believe that somebody is going to come from the pack and 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 achieve promotion and and why can't it be Lincoln? I, I yeah. look at their squad. And I think that
0: they're capable. Uh, Oxford United are another club that have taken what could be perceived as a bit of a risk in terms of their head coach. They've appointed Des Buckingham, who's a surprise to many of us. He was actually born in Oxford. He actually plays for the the youth sides when he was a youngster uh, at Oxford United. He joined the coaching staff at the age of 18, progressed to first-team coach under Chris Wilder. That was a decade ago. He's been coaching overseas and he leaves currently at his most recent job, the boss of the Indian side, Mumbai City. Um, it's been described as a long-term contract for him, replacing Liam Manning, who, of course, went to Bristol City. He says, a huge amount of interest in the role, but from the moment we met Des, he became our number one choice. Those are words, excuse me, of the chief executive, Tim Williams. Uh, he said, we had a very clearly defined set of criteria to ensure we found the right cultural fit for Oxford United. Des knows the club and city already, understands what we're trying to achieve, and we feel he's the right person to build on the club's progress to date. So it's an unknown quantity coming in, really. His family of fans. He's a fan. That's going to give him some credit. But it's the same question, really, especially given the good start that Oxford United have had and their chances of promotion. How big a risk is this?
3: Well... W- from my perspective, I'm a football romantic, so it's always lovely to hear these stories, and it certainly is a fairy tale. And um listening to Des speak in in, in recent days, I thought he spoke ever so well. And you could see that his affiliation with the club um, and and also and also the, the the city of Oxford, um you could see that the the that, that there was a real feeling there. And I think that this in itself can be be incredibly imp- powerful. Obviously, the city group who who look after Mumbai City, um, I don't think they they appoint people unless they are highly skilled um, and highly intelligent people. And uh, you know, obviously, looking at looking at looking at what what Des Buckenham has done in his in his short coaching career. Um, the, the the credentials are, certainly suggest that, that he can be successful at League One. I think he picks up a very good Oxford United team. I think um, Liam Manning uh, did a fantastic job there uh, and, and obviously now goes on to pass as you new know, at, at Bristol City, but he leaves, the, he leaves the team in a very, very good place. Um, I think in a very confident place with a clear way of playing by looking, and this is only looking from the outside in, but it looks like um, Oxford, as you've suggested, had a clear set of um, set 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 criteria in terms of appointing the new the new head coach, and that would have no doubt been 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 related around game style and game idea, and making sure that that suited the players that, that that they have in their squad. So I can see it being a really mm. good fit. Um, the fact that he's already got relationships there, I think is is going to be, is going to be important and is certainly going to help him with that transition. Cause it is a big transition going from the Indian super league to league one. Um, but he is certainly have everybody on his side and you can already feel from, from the Oxford supporters that they really like this appointment. And I think that this in itself could be really, really powerful and it can give a real energy to the, to not just the team, but the club and, and also the city and, yeah I'm really excited to see how how this appointment pans out and um yeah I, I look at Oxford and I'm um... You know the position that they're in, and they're in a in a really strong position to to to, to hopefully uh, achieve promotion, which I'm sure is the ambition of the, of the football club.
0: I just wanted to ask you personally, and we'll talk about your future maybe a little bit later. But there does seem to be a trend of late within the EFL. This new generation of managers in their first managerial roles for many. We think about Kieran McKenna what he's been doing at Ipswich, but Stephen Schumacher's promotion, Rob Edwards' promotion while he was at Forest Green, then at Luton. We obviously talked about Skabal Matthew, everything, uh, uh, Colchester, and there are many, many now in that kind of vein emerging. Do you understand why that might be?
3: Well, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, for for, our, for for Nikki and myself who who love football um, and and we like to think of ourselves as students of the game, I don't really like that saying, but but we love football. and mm. We certainly love to learn about it. So it's really great to see new new coaches come in with different ideas and different styles. It's also been great this season to watch the likes of Neil Warnock and Steve Evans doing it in a different way. I think in football, we talk so much, don't we, technical and tactical. I think we always have to be careful as coaches to, to remember that they're not robots, um, that, they're, that the players are human beings and we must never lose sight of that and always keep that human connection because I think that that ultimately is what defines, defines coaches. I think we all get caught up talking about philosophies and and ways of playing and, and game ideas and game models. Um but ultimately the best coaches in my opinion have the have the connection with the players and and ultimately, you know, football is the player's game. And I, I just believe that it's the coach's responsibility to find the best way of playing for the players that, that you have at your disposal. And I think the the best coaches are agile and are able to adapt and they're able to to coach it in different styles to to help the players that that, that they have become the best versions of themselves
0: Yeah, yeah, we will see exactly how uh, things do evolve in the EFL, maybe this will be a big moment in terms of a change in in tactics and a change in process moving forward. Very interesting to take a look at it. That was the voice of Danny Cowley, who's with me on EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18plusbegambleraware.org. Up next, we will take a look at some of the action uh, from League Two this weekend. So stay with us. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access.
2: On TalkSport 2. (laughs)
0: You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wilsoncroft, alongside the former Lincoln City boss, Danny Cowley. Let's get into League Two and some of the results from the weekend. I guess the first one to start with, I think, is a game, Danny, that you watched. You mentioned you watched. A lot of people did uh, this weekend. Notts County 4, Bradford City 2. uh, Notts County surviving a bit of a second-half comeback to beat Bradford and get their League Two promotion drive back on track after back-to-back defeats, of course. Um... Uh, Graham Alexander still waiting for his first win as Bradford boss, I guess is on the other side of things, but it was 4-0 before halftime, game over. The best way to respond to those back-to-back defeats, if you like, but Luke Williams was really unhappy at the end about the second half. Maybe that that kind of, you know, shows us what kind of standard he sets. What did you make of the performance, really of both sides, because a bit of a worrying time for, for Bradford as well. Four straight league defeats for them now but it is a second half that maybe Graham Alexander can build on as well.
3: Yeah, I think so. I thought Notts County were exceptional in the first half. I think Luke Williams has done a brilliant job there. Um, I just look at their their front three, McGoldrick, Dan Crowley, behind Langstaff and just just the three of them, incredible. But they get such control and dominance in the game. Um, I thought Bradford were probably were passive in the first half. They played a 4-4-2. They sat in a mid-block and they just allowed Notts County to find their rhythm, get into their patterns, which which they once they're able to do, they're very, very difficult to stop. And first half, I thought Notts County just 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 were were, were phenomenal and a really, really good display. I think Graham Alexander would have, would have learned a lot. I think he spoke after and, Um, Took some responsibility maybe in terms of how how we set the team up in the first half. Second half, they went away from the 4-4-2. They played a 3-5-2. They played with much more aggressive intent, particularly against the ball. They got up against Notts County. Um, And and their second half performance was, was chalk and cheese. I mean, in football, we often talk about the game of two halves and this was very much it. I mean, for me, it was actually a game of mentality and it just shows you the the importance of the players' mentality. I think in the first half, Bradford were 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 a little too passive. And then probably in the second half, Notts County on the back of being 4-0 up, probably just would just drop their levels a little bit and um, Bradford come out and played with 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 no fear and just went at the game really and um, got up into into Bra- into Notts County's faces. were able to turn the ball over high up the pitch and you know in the second half, I mean Andy Cook, I think had twelve attempts at yeah, goals. Crazy. The so the the stats in the game were were, were crazy and uh, it was it certainly made for really really good viewing. I, I thought it was a, a great advert for for Leeds to... Uh, I think Notts County are a brilliantly coached team. Uh, Luke Williams, to me, is a, is a is a is a brilliant coach. Um, another another coach with a really clear identity will never come away from it. I really liked his interview at the end because he could have just focused on the first half and how good his team had been, but it was a really good opportunity for him actually to remind remind his players, remind everyone, remind everyone at the club that if you do drop your levels, you know this is what can happen, particularly at League Two level. So. I um, I expect them to be right up there um Knox County this season for Bradford I think Graham Alexander has a has a tough job in in front of him I think he would have learned a lot from the first two games. Um, I think he's still just trying to find his best team and the best way of playing with the players at, at his disposal. He obviously has Andy Cook, who had a brilliant season last year. Still looks a real goal threat to me, but he has to find a way of getting him scoring again. And he has to find a way of of getting more, more control in games because certainly in the first half they um they they lack they lack control, they lacked an identity against mm. the ball and probably um couldn't get any. Couldn't couldn't get enough possession. They showed actually when they did that they can carry real goal threat and be a really powerful team. But but probably yeah, Graham just needs time to to be able to to find his his best start in eleven and his best way with with that group. Really. Yeah
0: yeah yeah. Some work still to do. Uh, very much looking like the finished article at Stockport County though. Finished Stockport County 2.0. Colchester nil, a county claiming a record equaling 12th consecutive victory in League Two. Um, it leaves them six points clear at the summit of the table. They match the fourth-tier record, which was set by Luton Town in 2001-02. They now share it. But it does show you just what a big achievement that is.
3: Absolutely. I mean, Dave Chaloner has done a, a brilliant job. It was probably... 12, 13, 14 games ago where some some Stockport County supporters were were getting restless and getting frustrated with, with 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 the team. And to to go 12 wins at League Two is just incredible because you have to remember this is not the Premier League. You know, you look at Manchester City sometimes and you could imagine them going on, on that type mm. of run in the Premier League because their players and their squad and, and their coach is just so above the level. But at League Two, the levels are so much closer um and this is why we love we we love the lower leagues in this country, but for them to show that consistency and to get thirty six points out of the last twelve games, yeah, just incredible feat. Um, they obviously now need to win win the next game to 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 actually to take it on them. their own, yeah. Yeah, which which would just be would just be incredible, and I don't see past them personally. I know it's easy to say off the back of the run that they've had, but I have an all season. I, I I just look at that group. I think Dave Challinor again, another coach who understands the division, knows how he wants his team to play. They look a really mature group to me in terms of being together a long time. And I think when you see this, then you 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 understand why they're having the consistency that they're having um they can win games in all different ways obviously at the start of the season they were without some of their attacking players I think they particularly miss Carl Wooten he's now back playing and, and in his groove and yeah I think um a really good team um with some really good players and, and I see nothing but but uh, promotion and and actually I see them being champions of like i said what what in my opinion is the, is the toughest lead to in in many many a year.
0: Well, he says, Dave Chandler, that, that this run will be meaningless without the title. Mansfield are trying their absolute best uh, to make sure they're going to be in that conversation. They beat Newport County by two goals to nil. They're still unbeaten. Uh, Key, uh, Davis Keilor uh scoring two. He's now up to 11 for the season. Um, Newport County staying 20th, five points clear of the relegation zone. But really, it's about Mansfield. 17 unbeaten. And uh, interestingly afterwards, I, I saw Keilor Dunn saying... That they still need to improve if they're to be promoted. Do you do you agree with that?
3: Well, I think they've had a had an incredible run themselves. It's probably gone under the radar because of what Stockport have done. But Nigel Clough has has recruited a really, really experienced team um, with a lot of high-quality players, so many goals in the team from so many different, so many different areas. Um Mansfield are a, a team, a club that have been in and around promotion places for in, in in recent years, and have just come up short for for whatever reason. I remember the year that that we won the league at Lincoln. Mansfield were in the automatic promotion places pretty much the whole whole season under Dave Flickcroft, and then just fell out right at the last. I minute. Mean, I think MK Dons beat them on the final day to to take that third position, and. Mansfield ended up losing out in the playoffs. And again, when Port Vale went up the year before last, Mansfield got all the way to the playoff final. So they're a t they're a team and a club with a huge ambition. Um, I think that have been trying to get out of this division for, for many years and, and I see this year as being their year, I really do. Um I look at I look at Mansfield, I look at Stockport, I look at Wrexham and I look at Notts County, and I don't see past those four clubs. Mm. Um I think three of them will go up. Three of those four clubs will go up automatically. I think whoever misses out automatically, I think it'd be really tough for them to get through the playoffs because those playoffs will be will be the strongest, yeah. strongest set of playoffs League Two have, have ever had, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: it could be ridiculous come the end of the season in terms of the playoffs and the competitive nature of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Accrington two. Wrexham nil this weekend, 11 game unbeaten run in League Two, coming to an end for Wrexham. Very disappointing at Accrington, Stanley. Um, Phil Parkinson's side dropping to fourth, that's their first loss since September, Stanley is seventh. Accrington, I think, were worth the battling win, weren't they here? Wrexham, in front of goal in particular, just not themselves?
3: No. I, I, it's such an Accrington performance and Accrington result, isn't it? Under under John Coleman, it's almost the bigger the bigger the club, the 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 bigger the scalp. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's just done a brilliant job, um, John Coleman, year after year at Accrington And yeah, they're, they're a club that has that kind of that underdog feeling and that underdog spirit, don't they? And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I could see that result coming. Particularly, I know that there was a little bit of um, friction between the two clubs be, before the game, um, mm. with, with, with regards to um, I think I think ticket prices, and I think this probably all played into Acrington's hands. And yeah, really fight uh, a, real, a real fighting quality to their performance. On I did
0: on see I did see Andy Holt's tweets um, <laughs> saying, you know, Wrexham have streamed this game internationally. We don't get any of the money from that, even though we host the football match. Um, And We pay for it to be put on, obviously, in terms of our staff and the stadium. And and listen, we're going to talk about finances a little bit later on because uh, Pete Wild has spoken about that, the Barrow boss. So I'll come back to it because I think it plays a big part in the conversation that we'll have a little bit later on in terms of money in the division. Only one other result, really, though, that we do need to talk about, I think. And that is Gillingham marking Stephen Clements' first home league game in charge with a 3-1 victory over Salford. Remember, they were the lowest scorers in the division uh, going into the weekend, Gillingham. Them, but it was a massive result for them to take all three points. Perfect start at home for Stephen Clements. Um, they're striking a tone of wanting to be a side where, you know, I get it, defensively brilliant and they have been great defensively. They want to be more than that. They want to be a great attacking force. They already showed a little bit more of that intent this weekend. How does he do that? How does he change them into, you know, especially when you look at some of the other goal-scoring sides in the division, Really competitive with the top teams in terms of goal scored.
3: Well, I was really surprised that they they relieved Neil Harris of his of his duties because I I just thought they were in a really really good position. They'd had a brilliant start to the season. were, were right on the edge of the automatics, let alone the playoffs. And then they obviously sacked Neil Harris, which I think was a surprise to the to the football world. So, certainly in the lower to, to people that, that follow the lower divisions um and then they s- took so long to then appoint um a, a coach to-, to to replace him and as as a consequence of that i think they they lost their way didn't they and they um they'd had a difficult period and a difficult run um they've now got some stability i think saturday was a huge result for them particularly against the Salford team that that can be very dangerous in that league. I think probably a good time to play Salford off the back of Salford having uh, the FA Cup replay against Peterborough and playing 120 minutes midweek. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: um, not easy for them to do that and then travel away on the Saturday. It was no surprise to me that Salford probably just fell off a bit in the second half. But I look at the Jillingham team and I and I, and I think that they've got a really good squad. And I think that there'll be another another team that will be expecting to to be in the in the top seven and it'll be interesting to see how Stephen comes in, um, how he how he adapts the, the 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 game idea and the style, and um, whether that whether that suits the group that, that he currently has at his disposal. But it was a surprise to me because I just looked mm-hmm. at the job Neil Harris was doing there, and I just thought he was doing a doing a really really good job. I think. It was a team that I don't I don't know what the stats are, but I look at I look at two, and twenty three in its entirety, and Gillingham won an awful lot of football matches from 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 January onwards. You know, at the back end of last season and the beginning of this season. I I would imagine that they were the the form team of of this calendar year. So it was a real surprise to me that Neil Harris was was sacked. Um, and yeah, obviously a, a new coach under under Kenny Jackett in, in the director of football role, and it's going to be interesting to see how that relationship works and whether whether it proves to be the right decision or or not. I suppose only time will tell.
0: OK, that's the voice of Danny Cowley, the former Huddersfield and Portsmouth boss. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18plusbgambleaware.org. plus. Stay tuned, because up next, we're going to sit down with the Barrow boss, Pete Wild. On DAB+, Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. This is EFL All Access. Hugh Wasoncroft here alongside Danny Cowley, the former Portsmouth and Huddersfield boss. Uh, Remember, you can always download EFL All Access as a podcast. If you missed the show on a Monday night or if you've just tuned in, thankfully you've come at the right point because we're going to hear a great interview next. Um, from the Barrow boss, Pete Wild, I spoke to him a little bit earlier on. Barrow uh, were in action this weekend in League Two, beat Crawley by a goal to nil, their fifth successive win in all competitions and lifts them up to sixth in the League Two table. The Bluebirds will look to mount a promotion push amongst some of the very heavy spenders in the division. We'll get to that uh, with Pete, I'm sure. Uh, have a listen to what he had to say when we sat down together earlier. Well, Pete, five wins in a row in all competitions makes good reading uh, doesn't it what What do you think has been key to this good run
2: I think it's a very good levels and co- consistency um, I think the lads are uh, working at a really high level um, I think a lot of their experience and a lot of their uh, knowledge uh, they're bringing to the, f- the pitch at the moment and I think the, the way we want to play and how we want to go about our business I think there's a real synergy between players and staff so I think it's just that consistent message coming across when who, whoever we've picked in the team, uh, doing that job for the team and, and going out and implementing it on the pitch. Uh,
0: in terms of the players that have been playing well during that period of time, I know you, you probably don't want to highlight any particular individuals, but within the group, did they have a bit of a spark? Because there are a number of draws in their games that you probably felt you easily could have won. Now you've got that consistency and that's the word you used, I know. But is there anything that was a particular catalyst in terms of the group of players that you're working with?
2: Um, I think we obviously, as you go through a season, you bring in new players and you bring in, you're looking for different ways to for them new players to suit the way you do things. There's been a couple of tweaks along the way of um, personnel fitting into positions. So I think that's really helped us, and then then personnel really bedded in into what we do. But I think first and foremost, we did a real reflective piece in the last summer around this time of the year when the weather turns and and how you go about your business, and, and what are the things you need to think about in this this time of the year. And I think what we try to do is make sure that, number one, if we can't win, we don't lose. Um, so I think our defensive shape and how we defend is very much around, right, well, at least it's going to be nil nil, And then after, uh, having that solid frame, that solid... Uh, back line has allowed us now to go and really push on and start scoring goals because we know we're solid to break down. Teams now come and take more chances against us because you know how tough it is to break us down, which is allowing our forwards more space to go and start scoring some goals.
0: Including Don Telford, four now in his last six games. Um, You know, it didn't start perfectly for him having arrived from Crawley in the summer. In terms of him... You know, you mentioned players maybe fitting into a particular attacking shape. Is he one of those that you refer to? Where do you think this good goal-scoring form's come from?
2: Well, number one, Dom's a, a top player and a top lad. He's a proven goal-scorer at this level. And we wanted to bring in some real proven um, front men to go and try and score some goals. So you've got with him and Jamie Proctor, and then you've got young Emil and Jed, uh, who are really fighting to try and get in the team. So with Dom, um, it always takes time to... Um, fit into a new system, a new way of playing. He might have played that formation before, but every manager and every team plays the formation a little bit different. But he certainly um, now understands how we do things. He's certainly in the box and we know when we're working and we're building up, we know we have that man in, in the box between the sticks, We we can feed him the ball and he'll score us the goals. So I think, it, like I say, it just takes time. Things take time to settle in and bed in. But now he has got that. He's... he's um, He's proven at this level, and I think he's now bringing that to the to the table. Someone who had never played at this
0: level before is James Chester, but we know what kind of quality he has. The former at Wales and Aston Villa, Hull City centre back scored in an FA Cup final. Of course, been to a European Championship with his country. Now 34 years old, I know you signed him on a deal up until January. But what? What? Tell us what he does offer on a day to day basis in terms of his experience and his leadership.
2: Well, he, I mean, number one, the way he goes about his business it, in the summer, it was very much, can I come and train? Will I find a club? Not a problem. People like James being around the building can only help us, but he enjoyed it so much and he enjoys the environment he enjoys what what's on offer for him at the football club and it's local to him. So all them things made, enticed him to sign, which is the first bit that we must be doing something well for James Chesters to comment on uh, how our environment is. Um, And every day he just does things right. I wouldn't say he's um, a very vocal leader or anything like that. He just does the simple things well. He does everything right. He goes about his business in the right way. And I think that rubs off on younger players and that rubs off on on how, if you want to play at the levels that James has played at, how you need to be and how you need to behave. And then you look on the pitch, when he comes out on the pitch, he just always looks in control. And now we're back three, stroke back five, back six with a goalkeeper. We've got some real experience in there and really good communicators. So if they're communicating from the back and they're communicating what they want in front of them, that can only help the team. So I think all them qualities that he's brought to the table have been fantastic. And we're hopeful we can get it extended as soon as possible to the end of the season and get that sorted in the next week or so. um, Because we think he brings so many qualities to our group. One
0: person who I guess we haven't spoken about in the group, um, maybe you don't want to talk about too much, is yourself. I wanted to really ask you about your 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 comfort levels now in coaching because in previous jobs maybe you 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 know your early stages probably warranted a longer opportunity you weren't given those you've now continued on your your coaching journey you know how comfortable are you feeling in terms of what you bring to the role?
2: So I mean I'm only thirty nine I'm coming up to two hundred and fifty games I I've learned a lot I've still got a lot to learn. Um, I learn on a daily basis. Me and Adam, my assistant, we talk about learning on a daily basis. Um, so, yeah, I feel more comfort- comfortable than maybe 100 games ago, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I still see, think I've got a lot to learn, so I want to take things slowly, uh, understand League 2, make sure that you get it right in League 2 and, and you, um, you learn from your mistakes and you make new mistakes. Um so I think what's really important is you don't get carried away with yourself. You're honest, because it's your last game. We won on Saturday. We get beat like next week. People might have a different opinion of me. So I, I am very much uh, living the here and now. I'm very much enjoying the journey and enjoying Barrow. I love the town. I think it's a great town, great people. And um, let's see what happens. You, we all know in football, if you look too far ahead of yourself, you can get slaps in the face. And I don't want slapping in the face.
0: Let's bring things back to League Two then. Sixth in the table at this point in time. Like I say, the recent run came off the back of three wins in 13. But, you know, I really wanted to understand your expectations of this group of players, of of the football club as well, in terms of where you think you you can realistically get to. I know fans don't always want to be realistic. but In terms of how you project the future, where, where do you see Barrow?
2: we had a good discussion with the owners in the summer around what we wanted to do and what we wanted to be we had such a good season last year the fifth in, the fifth best in the club's history so we wanted to go and, and see um sort of platform of what do we expect so we want to be in and around the top 10 and we see top 10 as what we've got to strive for every year as as Barrow and if the worst job that me and Adam do is that we make Barrow a top 10 league 2 club then I think we've done a really good job um but As we go through now, we want to be in the top 10. We want to produce players that um, help the club, finance the football club as we go along, so they become football and financial assets. Um, And and obviously, the the dream every year, Utopia, is to go up. We wouldn't be in this industry if we didn't want to go up. So the longer we're in and around the top 10, the more pressure we can put on the the teams in the playoffs and, and hopefully the teams higher, then fantastic. So we're really pragmatic as a club. We know where we want to be. First job this season is to try and emulate what we did last season and better it if we can. Um, And if we can do that, then we're moving in the right direction. So um, we want to, in the next three to five years, make sure that the worst case scenario is that we are a top 10 League Two club. But the best case scenario is that we're having a real good challenge to try and get out of the division. The
0: finances in League Two make that challenge so much more difficult, don't they? It's very tough when you think about Wrexham's and Stockport's, Gillingham, Notts County, in terms of the finances in this level. And I know you you know all about, in terms of you know skewed finances in football, particularly in this country, and the effect that they can have on football clubs, unfortunately for some clubs, in the most negative of ways. I just wonder what you think of finances now at this level of football and where they are. Is it is it, I guess, right
2: in your mind, in terms of the competition and, and what's being poured in? Um, I think I think it's a real good question. I think over the last few years in the National League and then into League Two, uh the finances now on offer and the, the financial packages for players on offer uh are also madness. <laughs> that's everything right. But that's not the players' fault. that somebody's prepared to give them that money. Um in terms of that there is financial fair play in there, the, there is a, a a book that if you if you drop below that or you drop out of that, then then you'll be punished and a uh, I think we're seeing a lot more clubs uh, over the last few years be punished for for financial irregularities. Um, I think as long as this they fit within the budgets and the long as the, the EFL think that they fit within the budgets, then we have to... It's fair game. You have to get on with it. You have to proceed and push on as much as you can. Clubs like ourselves have to be really savvy in what we do. So massive part for us is our recruitment. We might not be able to bring in... 15 ready-made players who are the finished article and, and we can offer them financial packages because of the finished article, we might only be able to bring in two or three. And then what we have to do is get our hands dirty and produce the next one and produce the next players. So I used the phrase football and financial assets before. I think that's where we've got to be really good. We've got to be looking at the good young players in the National League, looking at the good young players coming out of Premier League academies and thinking, right, right, what could they be with two years at Barrow? And, and where could we get them? What could we do for them in two years? And that's our big sell. Our big sell is we can do this for you in two years at Barrow. And if you do this, look at all the examples that have left and moved on to bigger and better things. So I think we've just got to be more savvy. And and I, I kind of like that. I, kinda, I like that gig of trying to find the next one. And, and where's the next one? I think that's the biggest sort of buzz I get out of football.
0: I did want to ask you, and this is maybe one way to bring finances in, about the FA Cup. You're away at Maidstone United, who are playing in the National League South, and it's a good chance of reaching round three for you, with respect. The club has never got to round four, so that would be absolutely massive for Barrow. But of course, we know you led Oldham to a huge victory over Fulham of the Premier League back in 2019. So... What would you rather, Um, a big giant killing over a Premier League side or just that record for Barrow of reaching the fourth round? Of course, it could be both,
2: but uh, if you had the choice. I mean, I'm I'm greedy. I'd I'd say I would take both, don't get me wrong. But um, I think, when number one, we've got to beat Maidstone, and that's a tough, tough uh, tie. How many times over the years have you seen the Football League side go to a non-league side and and, uh, come across us? So we've got to try and make sure that we... We navigate our way through the Maidstone games best possible, and I think it'd be a really tough test because Maidstone are flying in the Conference South at the moment. So hopefully, if we could do that, and hypothetically, if we could do that, then I would certainly want to say uh, the biggest club away from home and the, the biggest financial day that the club can have, I think, um, to, say, to say that Barrow are going to win the FA Cup would be uh, something off Mike Bassett <laughs> or something like that. So I don't think we're going to do that. So I would just like uh, a day in the sun, for all supporters and a real good financial package for the football club that could help Barrow sustain this drive at the top end of the table.
0: And just finally, next up for you away at Colchester. Uh, of course, a change of manager there of late, Matthew Everington. Decent job and impact early on. What are your thoughts ahead of that one?
2: Well, yeah, like I said, I think Matthew's done a great job. He's he showed them up. He's made them tougher to play against, tougher to beat have got some real good youth products playing in the team at the moment. I think Colchester do that really well, bringing good young players. It was tough game, a tough game, and uh, any game on the road's tough. And any point you can pick up on the road is fantastic. So we have to go into the game knowing that they have got some real good super strengths. Uh, I thought they played really well against Stockport on Saturday, um, but we have to fancy ourselves. We have we've got nine unbeaten, five five wins on the bounce. We have to go into that game with confidence and make sure confidence doesn't become arrogance
0: great to speak to pete, pete wilde the uh, barrow boss there but you are listening to efl all access on talk sport 2 it's in partnership with 888 sport made to challenge made to debate and made to play it's 18 plus be gamble aware.org we will be back straight after this on dab plus online by the Talksport app and on your smart speaker efl all access on Talksport 2 You're listening to EFL All Access on Sport. 2. Hugh Wasencroft and Danny Cowley, the former Portsmouth uh, and uh, Huddersfield manager, are with you. Uh, Not very long now to go, uh, around about five or so minutes. Let's squeeze in as much as we can. Uh, Just to let you know, during the show this evening, it has been announced that Derek Adams is the new boss of Ross County. He, of course, leaves at Morecambe very quickly. I just wanted to ask you, Danny, what you make of how that leaves Morecambe at this point in time.
3: Well, I think Derek Adams has has done a brilliant job over two spells at Morecambe and I think they're gonna they're gonna really miss him. I think he's a he's a manager and a, a coach who is able to set set his team up in a certain way. Very very difficult to play against. Very very defensively sound, compact. Very good against the ball, and and so effective on the counter attack. And I just thought it was a. You know, sometimes when you you look at you look at managers and you look at clubs and you can just see alignment. And I thought it was a really good fit for for both parties at Morecambe as it proved to be. And he's going to be a be a huge loss and some big shoes to to fill.
0: And let's very quickly look ahead uh, to this weekend's action in the championship as it returns uh, after the international break. Um, your former club Huddersfield hosting Southampton not an easy fixture. For them, of course, it all begins on Friday night with Rotherham hosting Leeds United, another side towards the bottom that doesn't want to see the visitors coming this weekend in good form. And what do you make of the Championship so far this season? What do you make of, of Huddersfield maybe in particular and the current issues for Darren Moore there?
3: I think it's a brilliant league. I, I, again, I can't see past the top four in Leicester, Ipswich, Leeds and Southampton. I just think three of those four will be promoted. I think they're probably the outstanding teams in the division. In terms of Huddersfield, um, I thought Neil Warnock was doing a doing a really good job there um, with with in a difficult in difficult circumstances. Really, with a with a squad where only Neil Warnock could could get what he did out of that group. I mean, I looked looked at what he did last year, and I, I don't think there's anybody else in in world football that keeps that Huddersfield Town team in the championship. Obviously, they started this season in a competitive way. I think it's a really tough job for for Darren Moore to to, to follow someone like Neil. Neil is a is a unique character. He works in a unique way. Um, I would anticipate he's really difficult to follow for for mm. for a coach. Um, Darren is is a really good guy. Did a brilliant job at Sheffield Wednesday. I, I just think that the 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 it's it's a really difficult job for him at the moment. He he obviously will be slowly trying to change the game style and the formation and the way of way of playing while trying to learn about his players at the same time. And we just look at the, the championship and know how 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 unforgiving that division is. Obviously Nikki and I would have lived uh, lived a similar experience to Darren we come in at similar times and, and found Huddersfield in a similar position in the league. Um so I I I know what he's going through. Um, but he's a good coach, he's got really good staff. And, I, and I'm sure, with the support of what is a, a brilliant fan base in Huddersfield Town, there, you know, they're, they're 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 a fantastic supporter base who, who want the very very best for their for their club. And, I, and I'm sure between them all, if they stick together, then then they can find find a way. And, and certainly, you know, in, in Nikki and myself, we are we'll we'll be supporting Huddersfield from afar.
0: Okay, been a pleasure, Danny Cowley, to be with you for the last hour or so. And We're hoping to see you back soon. I'm not going to mention names, but Rotherham United looking for a new manager hosts Leeds United in the Championship. Exclusively here on Talksport. Two, it's Friday night. All the build up from seven o'clock. We will also have West Brom against Ipswich. The five thirty kickoff on Saturday in the Championship as well. That's exclusive right here. And a reminder, you, you can listen to us every Monday from six o'clock on Talksport. Two. If you miss any of the show, listen back on the Talksport. App. We can also uh, find us as a podcast as well, wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access.